This programme was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Hawke's Bay, your community access media station. Thanks to New Zealand On Air for making this type of programming possible. This is Jeremy Roberts on behalf of the Hawke's Bay Poetry Live Show, a programme broadcast weekly on Wednesday afternoons at 2pm. You can also go to the website and click play or download as a podcast. My guest today is well-known, well-published Leonard Lambert of Napier. Leonard is in fact something of a rarity in the creative arts in that he has also achieved a high level of success in another artistic field, painting. You might like to Google that. Today, however, we are focusing on his poetry. No surprise, as the show we're on. Welcome, Leonard. Thank you, Jeremy. <clears throat> so let's just open with a really basic one. Um, how do poems come about? How do they begin for you? Uh, they come from all sorts of areas. My, um, a lot of mine come from dreams, really, um, which sort of hang around for a day or two. And uh, hmm. maybe a, <clears throat> a line, usually a, a musical line will come up that won't leave me alone. And uh, I burrow into that and add, in, add on to it and see if it goes anywhere. But uh, there's usually a couple, one one line or two, yeah. But um, it, come, it comes from some very obvious places too. So I'd actually like to start with this one, which is pretty unusual. Mm. Um, okay. And this this came from an, an article in Hawke's Bay Today quite recently about the um, uh, Smedley Station farm cadets. And uh, it was... So it's just a thoughts. It's called a thoughts on a photo of the farm cadets. So I'll read that. <clears throat> they look like the kids I looked down on at school, smugly certain, as we all were then, that intelligence could have only one residence and was not to be found in hands and arms or hearts. None of them looked too happy about the photo, the fuss, but you can tell that all are good-naturedly going along with it, as asked. Mr and Mrs, who run the station on behalf of a trust, also seem to stand back a bit, but beam with obvious pride. The sponsor list is a regional roll call. What's not awarded was never heard of. Prizes, too, for brain work, back to school. To an outsider, a townie like me, it's a window on another world, one I thought had gone the way of the AMP show and the Plunkett nurse. But there they are, and there it is. Discipline, hard work, how to do it right. Old school, never cool, and never out of date. Mm. <laughs> That's a great piece to open the show with, Leonard. Um yeah, interesting, isn't it? So you, you're drawing on your prior knowledge and history, and and looking at looking back, expressing some surprise. Hmm, P much to ponder in that poem. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, you said that. Yeah, 
dreams are important and musical line. I like that. You're talking about meter or are you talking about um, actual melodies? Uh, well, meter and melodies, it's, um, it's what it would be, a, a rhythm, rhythm or cadence mm. of mm. some sort. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Oh, interesting. I look forward to hearing some more of your work. Um, so how did you, you know, when did it really start for you? How did you start out? And when did the, you know, the light bulb go on or, or, or was it like that for you? How did you get into poetry? And become a poet, a working poet. Uh, extraordinary, really. I um, uh, started out to be a, a famous um, surrealist painter and earn a living at it in New Zealand. Uh, that's how that's how crazy I was. <laughs> that's how I started out. But I actually believe that. Oh, good on you. Yeah. Anyway, um, I uh, I had a, a real um, a bit of an episode when I was uh, about age nineteen. I had a breakdown of sorts, I guess. But um, mm-hmm. um, I uh, it, it coincided with the discovery of the poetry of Arthur Rimbaud, ah. and uh, he was uh, <laughs> he was the um, one that actually started me off. I thought mm. this is the first. Poems. They're not even in English, and I'm not really all that shit hot at French. But these are the poems that speak to me. Mm. And it wasn't something. It wasn't his crazy adolescence that I was so much interested in. It was the actual poetry itself, especially mm. uh, Les Illuminations, yeah, which have never left me, and which I reread to this day with the same wonder mm. and delight. Mm. So he was the start for me. Okay, well, that's as good a name and as good a place as any to start. Um, the Illuminations for the English version of that collection. Yeah, it's quite quite remarkable. He was very incredibly modern in some ways. Would you would you would you agree with that? That the resonance it just seems to be um, such a modern way of looking at poetry. Well, I don't know about modern, Jeremy. It hasn't aged. Well, that's it, probably what I mean. It, he, he, it, it was a instant classic, bit of a stuff. prophecy in a oh, way. Oh yes, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Ah, <clears throat> oh, that's interesting. Um, yeah, I, many years ago, I visited his grave in um, Charlieville, and that was that was something really special. I went there. I, I Did went you? there. I walked there right mm. across northern France uh, when I was twenty. <clears throat> oh, good on you. Mm. Well, that's that's funny because he gave up writing when he was twenty. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Okay. Would you like to share another one, Leonard? Sure, I would. Here's another one. Um, well, it's uh, being pretty close to Anzac Day. Mm-hmm. Um, a little wee story here. It's, uh, uh, I sent this poem to Jacinda, and her office kindly replied mm. uh, that she did enjoy it. So it's about uh, standing for Jacinda, Anzac Day, lockdown 2020. At the invitation of our lovely young PM... We stood by a letterbox in the cold a.m. Some neighbours soon emerged, pyjama-clad, blanket-wrapped, and others didn't, which was a pity, I thought, because they missed the distant bugle, the pipes, and what felt like a warming sense of oneness in the face of the new invader. And so it must have been in RDs throughout the country, 
and up and down the streets of every city and town, people standing silent, still and separate, but somehow not alone. Mm. Well, that's a lovely um, time capsule almost poem, isn't it? And a, and a nice little tribute um, to Jacinda, really, because you're, you know what your your gesture of sending it to her office. Of course, she's left politics now, as we sit here. Yeah, well, on behalf, um, uh, on behalf of the, the her her, off, her Auckland office said she was uh, very very warmed to get that because yeah. she was uh, not all that popular at many, many uh, places as we know. <clears throat> yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, Okay, so you've been um, writing poetry for many years and I understand that you have also been a public reader, performer of your poetry over many years. Tell us about how you approach this, this concept of performing poetry or sharing your work in public. How do, you know, what was it like when you, when you started um, you know, take us take us through that, please. Lynn. Oh yeah, well I was I was very I was very girlish for a long, long time. It took me <laughs> ages to get the confidence to actually mm. perform or tell my poems. Mm. Um, I didn't think they were um, good enough at all, or not not as good as I thought I could make them. So it was a very I was very late comer to performance mm-hmm. um i i i i'd, I'd seen and I'd, I'd followed some performers and um uh for instance you know the great trailblazer sam the great sam mm-hmm. uh, he uh, i thought how come you know he he never never does his best poems they're all the ones that are uh, Sort of showstoppers and a bit showy, and I thought, isn't that funny? He doesn't doesn't he's got much better poems than that, but mm. he's a pub poet and they're too quiet. I thought, well, you know, I've got mixed mixed feelings, misgivings, and um, ambivalence mm. about performance, watching and hearing Sam. Um, so when I started, I started to. Uh, perform mainly that sort of poem um which uh is easy to do um uh, and it's amusing and you are a little bit of a thoughtful stand-up comic type you know mm. and the, the jokes go in it too but when it comes to perhaps say, say a lyric a really good lyric a, a poem that may be only eight lines long and it's the Silence after the poem, as in the gaps in music, is where the magic lies. This doesn't happen easily in performance. So uh, the other thing, misgiving I have about performance, always have had, is that it's extremely hard to do justice to your poems. They, it's never quite good enough. The poems are always much better, and I, I never feel like I, I've done justice to them. Um, mm. So yeah, and I was very very slow coming to it, but then I found out when I got more um, used to uh, performance and, and I started started to quite enjoy it, despite my misgivings. Mm. Um, I I thought, you know, you've got to road test a poem; it can't stay on the page. You know, yep. uh, this is your thing too. Uh, yeah, yeah, I've got to. It's, it's got to be 
how does it feel in the mouth? How do, how do, how does it occupy space? How, what is it like coming out of your mouth? Uh, you know, um, you put it out there into the world, and um, you certainly you go home and you write, you look at it and think that was a bit, you know, that's got to be rewritten. Mm. Uh, that was mm. a bit weak. That sounded <laughs> funny. Yeah. That line there should be at the end, not the front. You know, yes, it's a yes. good road test it is, for yeah. any poem. The ear sharpens up in live performance with an audience, doesn't it? There's indeed. another sense you develop. I, indeed. Yeah. 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 So it has its value, and I, uh, yeah, I, really, I, I recognize that. Mm. Mm. Oh, good. Thanks for that answer. Would you like to share another one now, Leonard? Yes, I will indeed. Yeah. <clears throat> I think this is one of the, one of the poems I'm most proud of. Hmm. Um, one of my favourites, personally. <clears throat> um, it's called "Song at Summer's End," which is a nod to a similar poem by Rex Fairburn. Mm. Too late in April, we came to a winter sea. We lay in the still warm sun, but the wind blew bitterly. Too late in April. The waves had washed themselves of us and all gone back to work. The daily grind to silica, sand, to kelp and weed and rock. Too late in April, two summer dogs outran the day, went zoom, but the sea bit at their heels and the cold wind chased them home. Too late in April, the pippy beds sway out of reach, the rocking shoals, the factories of the sea retreat, into their cold, their working cells. Too late in April, we came to pleasure's end, and as the season had from us the warm mammalian day, we turned in our recent forms, our chalky frames, we turned away. Mm. Oh, that's a, that's a beautiful poem. Um, yeah, seasons, timing, um, I, there's lots of things going on in that. Much to ponder. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that, Leonard. Um, yeah, I like the way you read. You have a sort of a, a, a nice gravelly, um, you know, voice that's got gravitas in it. And, um, yeah, a lot of feeling. Um, do you think, um, like, you know, poems, do you think that they should be relevant to the times or you know about topical things necessarily is it you know what sort of freedom do you think the a poet should have i think it's a good advice <coughs> to um uh, stay away as much as possible from the topical mm. um a lot of the uh, a lot of the poems I admire, you'd wonder, I mean, you could read the poems of um, uh, um, Dylan Thomas and uh, uh, perhaps uh, Theodore Redke, and you'd wonder, what did the World War II actually happen? You know, um, mm -hmm. there's hardly anything topical about it at all. Uh, and I'm very nervous about poets like David Eggleton, for instance, who mm -hmm. put in a lot of brand names because I came across, uh, mm. uh, you read them 10 years later, yes. and it's got things like Telecom and Custom Wood, and uh, they're dropping brand names, and, that, and they date so quickly. I mean, yes. if, if it's of that time, um, 
uh, what, what, what are you doing? I mean, people won't understand that. Uh, what, what's telecom, you know? Um, mm. Ten years hence, it's all gone anyway, and custom wood is now, for instance, MDF. Mm. Uh, that was... A <laughs> yeah. that, that sort of thing. Some examples here. Yeah. 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 Oh, no, that's interesting. Um, <clears throat> so more sort of... You, you go more with timeless things that Absolutely. could have been written in 1920 or could have been written in 2020. Or... or uh, uh, 1601 yeah 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 jolly good mm. um all right well let's let's roll on with the the reading please leonard i'm sure that our listeners are enjoying these okay <clears throat> this is the title poem from a, a, a book of love poems called skywire which you can get at wardini's actually okay and this is the title poem This wire, the blue one, what's it for? I never knew. Redundant, the sparky said. Don't worry about it. So I never did. Never, till I met you. The sky wire, you mean? God, you said, and laughed. I've got one too. Let's connect. We did, and rewired. We flew. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, lovely, yeah. Yeah, no, very, uh, a lot of wit. Um, uh, yeah, so does that that sort of, um, those little changes, gear changes, if you like, um, you know, r- rubbing things up against uh, something, up against something else, does that come naturally to you? Do you have to sort of work at it? It's just pure inspiration. Pure inspiration, mm. yeah. Mm. <clears throat> Yeah. Another, I'll give you another love poem here. Yeah, Jeff, sure. Firmin, this, yeah. This, this is called This Present Wind. Wild outside our bed of love, wind plays the strings of memory. But here, on this little shore, where we lie in the cells we always were, but maybe never knew, another song is heard. It sings in the blood of all that's needful now and here. So let the wind cry it's lost and gone, it's never to attain. We'll hear it fade at last, like something outfaced, rebuffed, leaving you and me alone, love, this present wind and us. Mm, beautiful. Um, I'm getting the feeling that you're quite a romantic soul, Leonard. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yep, yep, I am. Yeah. Yeah, yes, this is romantic poetry. Yeah. I they uh, you know it's been belittled and begrudged and buried so many times. Mm. But there's a lot of lot of lot of life left in the old uh, uh, the old uh, jug yet. Mm. No doubt mm. about it. Oh, good on you. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> no, they're beautiful. I like the way they're succinct and um you know, I can hear real um craftsmanship in in that in those those works. Um, okay, um, so I suppose this is a question that always comes up, whoever's sitting in the chair, and um, it's an interesting one because the, the answers can be so varied, but who, who ha- you've already mentioned Sam Hunt being an inspiration, but who, and Dylan Thomas, you've talked about him, who, who are your major influences, who, who's really sort of turned you on? Maybe years and years ago, I mean, who's still with you or who's around at the moment that you enjoy? Um, my, uh, uh, 
my major influence, oddly enough, was the discovery of uh, Shakespeare's sonnets. Ah. And uh, I would even go so far as to say as English literature is all footnotes to Shakespeare's sonnets. I think they're that wonderful. Um, ah. I think the heart of English poetry still beats there myself. Mm. Um, and influences, I loved uh, very much and learned a lot from Auden. Mm. <clears throat> I uh, uh, always uh, loved and admired Eliot, but found I could not follow. Uh, he was not no use to me as a poet, uh, being in another realm. And his um, his uh, high Anglicanism uh, rather tainted his stuff for me for a long oh, time. Okay, but a wonderful major poet. Yeah. Um, I I was very late to Yeats and I got annoyed with all the Irishness of him, um, but he's also the great modern poet, the greatest. Yeah. Um, uh, coming forward a bit, um, I always loved Larkin, but it uh, took, took me a right. while. It took me a while to lower my sights. I was I was after loftier things when I first encountered Larkin, and I was really put off, but. Uh, Man, did he grow on me, and uh, mm-hmm. he, he's great. Um, I loved, uh, I still do, um, Hughes and Plath. Yes. Um, I love them both. Um, Ted Hughes, it's interesting, I came up with the phrase last night, uh, Ted Hughes wields, wields language. Mm. Language wields Sylvia Plath. Mm. So I think there's... Um, I think she's the greater poet. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I think there's a touch of a, a real genius mm. in the works of Sylvia. Yep. If you go beyond the sensational ones like Daddy. Yeah, the famous, the the most accessible ones are somehow the most famous ones and they've got the almost, oh, look, it's, it's, the story is so well known, it's almost a cliché. I hate to say that, but um, is is that so? You you prefer to look elsewhere? Can you name any pieces off the top of your head? Uh, some of it's pretty obscure stuff, isn't it? Oh no, no, it's a, it's a, it's a work uh, from the um, mm. oh the, the the three two three four five years before Ariel. Okay. Know? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah from what? those collections. Yeah. Oh, wonderful stuff. <clears throat> Winter Trees. I think I've got all those little volumes. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Crossing the Water. Crossing the Water. Wonderful stuff. Uh, yeah. Uh, that would be a good entry point if you if you really want to know the uh, the, the, the real uh, heart of um, mm. Sylvia Plath. I think mm. Crossing the Water is a hell of a good one. Yeah. <clears throat> um, did did you come across the um, the original manuscript? Uh, of her aerial collection, because Ted rearranged it and and changed it from what she had left on her desk, famously. Do you know that? You no, know? I didn't know of that. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So, well, those are very powerful names you've mentioned. Of course, you had um, Arthur Rimbaud earlier, um, and you still revisit. So... Um, Oh, there was one other major influence too yeah. for me, and that was uh, Theodore Redke. Ah, I don't know that work. Well, that's, uh, you know, I couldn't recommend him higher. Okay, well, thanks. Yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, so you you you're writing your poems, you're reading poetry. Do you read it daily or just when it the when the mood takes you because because you're working as a, a painter as well quite a lot, aren't you? Oh no, I read. Yeah, I've just got uh, yeah. Um, oh yeah, I do. I got uh, um, Stead's latest. Uh, enjoying that very much. Oh good. The <laughs> um, poetry or the biography? No, the poetry. The poetry book. Yeah. Um, mm. Say I do this. It's called. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And uh, with the yellow cover, right? Yeah. Oh, it's quite bright. Red, red, yeah, red, yeah, red yellow. yellow. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I, it's on my list to get yeah. that one. Uh, yeah. I enjoyed uh, well, the shape of the heart, Kevin Island's mm. uh, latest one, very much. Oh, more, both, as you say, um, well, as obviously poets of old guys, same as me. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Um, how about another poem, Leonard? Yeah, for sure. Let's see what we got. <clears throat> We've got about five more minutes or so. Okie doke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You might have time for two. Okay. All right, this is one that really annoys some of the feminists, but I'll read it anyway. (laughs) Called Landscape with Figures. In a town cold-shouldered by two ranges, which contend, contort, and keep up a sour conflict of river, a woman waits for the man, the showdown. Her large, bony frame is trapped in a party frock, her makeup a mask, the hair glued in place. In town girl shoes, she is six foot plus, shrinks in herself to a more womanly size. But the man is all back and stride and loud. She holds onto a string thin as cotton but cannot reel him in. The tent of her hope collapses. He is gone, there are tears. Her makeup runs. I leave as awkwardly as I came. Meet him later at a pub. We say nothing. There is nothing to say. Beyond the gorge, the closed town, the river makes a break for the sea. Hmm. Wow. It's pretty grim, ain't it? It, it, it <clears throat> is. Is there any touch of biography in that, may I ask? Yeah, yeah, mm. I was there. Yeah, mm. yeah, it's mm. a breakup. Mm. <clears throat> uh, one of my friends. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, now here's here's one. This, this is uh, this is the one that was um, chosen by the editors of Essential New Zealand Poems. Mm. Uh, this is called a morning walk in the later days. Okay. On the muzzle of the dog, the first of grey, so winter comes. The silver birch, oh ever young, has not seen the flattened land. My friend complains of hungry winds that eat away at his store of days. His daughter, poised to fly, is breaking news, but the world is old. And the garden chair I made tells how the dead are raised. Was it six months ago, or years, or days? Mm. Wow, that's that's beautiful. Um if you if you feel inspired to give us one more, Leonard, I'm sure the listeners would enjoy it. Okay, yeah, may I? Okay, this is yeah. this is an, another of my favourite poems too. It's my Napier poem. It's um, uh, at uh, done um, at, um, at Norfolk House, 1989. It's called Somewhere in August. Somewhere in August, the sea comes pouring through the town. Faded signs revive, boarding houses bloom. 
Warring down-at-heel couples call it a day. Old Barry peeps through semi-sober eyes, half decides to flag it away. A low background roar swallows jackhammer and drill. Cloudy workers whistle and call. Twenty feet today is a dizzy height. Dalliance and bow fill the slow, easy air. Follow winter-clad women in the softening light. With the low-running sea almost blue, and the salt thick on windscreen and window, freighting a steady breeze, a mariner's wind, on a certain Friday, somewhere in August, spring of all things comes urging inland. That high-rolling summer that sweeps through the suburbs like lotto, that wraps and bangs up and down the land, demanding play, that's another world, a big loud bugger more than half a year away. But the body knows, and the whole town can feel, despite the forecast rain, the chill, and the sun only weakly shining, out beyond the bare-masted trees, somewhere, some tide, is turning. Hmm. Apia poem, how lovely. Um, yeah, your poems, uh, they seem to be deeply rooted in the landscape, and, you know, buffeted by the wind and rain as well. Um you know, you're, you're, and the people, your close observations of, of people and what they're up to, it's very much humanity speaking, I think, Leonard. Indeed, yeah. yeah. Um, what, what would I say? I've got a little uh, couplet that sort of ex- tries to explain what I do and how I do it. Is, um, um, in, in my poetry, I try, I, in my poems, I kiss the world or try. Mm. In my art, I kiss the world goodbye. <laughs> that's, that's more, or less, more or less does it. Oh, that's a great way to sort of um, almost wrap things up because we've got a little um, treat, listeners. We're going to finish the show with a musical recording of a poem that Leonard has recently made called Fugue. And so, Leonard, is there anything you'd like to say about this and, and, and who's accompanying you on the track? Ah, yes. Well, <clears throat> the, mu- the musical part of it is um, um, all uh, arranged and invented and composed by uh, Scotty Smith, um, lead man of the um, Carwickers at his uh, Sugarloaf studio. And uh, Scotty has done the poem proud, I think. Oh, thanks very much for that. So thank you, listeners, and um, we'll catch you next time. So here is Fugue by Leonard Lambert. Almost unnoticed, all forward motion slows. No river runs on forever. Stories that swelled and flowed and filled our world have spilled and spent their motive power. No river runs on forever. Oh my dear, my darling girl, time out of mind, we all flow on together, though we know and feel and fully see 
No river runs on forever.